Hi, I'm Stephanie Griffith. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm married to a fabulous musician. We have three kids, and life is crazy all the time. I believe that we all have limitless potential, and I am here to share my enthusiasm for life with you. Stick around for some quick motivation and inspiration to take on your busy life. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks since we have been together and uh, it's a new year, 2019. And I don't know about you, but the holidays were insane. It was really fun. My kids were off of school and we had some family visiting us. And But for like two straight weeks, we had people at our house and it was crazy and We were doing all different things and just all sorts of fun stuff, but I did not have any time to record another episode of the podcast. So here we are, and we are in the second week of January, and we are getting started for the year. I'm really, really excited about this year. I have big goals for this podcast. My goal is to release an episode every week and to do that you know, as consistently as possible. And I have so many ideas for subjects that we're going to talk about, and I just can't wait. So this episode, episode four, is technically a little bit of a follow-up to episode three, which I know came out in the beginning of December. But it it was the episode where we talked about how our differences don't have to divide us. If you have have not listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's only 20, 25 minutes. There's some good stuff in there, and it sparked some discussion with some friends of mine and some family members who had some thoughts and ideas that they wanted to share with me. And so I ended up having a couple different conversations with people that I love and, and who I care about deeply because they just wanted to delve more into the topic of the last episode of how our differences don't have to divide us. And it inspired me to do a follow-up episode about compassion, because I kind of want to clarify a few things that I mentioned before. But again, this episode also stands on its own. So stick around, even if you haven't listened to the other one. But one of the things was my sister-in-law called me, and she is a teacher. She's a Montessori teacher. She runs her own Montessori school um, in Colorado. And she's extremely talented. She's incredible. She just finished her master's degree, and she is a rock star, basically. She does everything for everyone, and she's a fantastic person, and I love her very much. And um, But she brought up a point about being an educator or a mentor, because I mentioned something in the previous episode about how you have to cut toxic relationships out of your life. She said to me that she just struggled with that thought, as particularly as an educator, because there's all these things going around in the educational world, and she told me about these ideas that people bring up and talk about that if you have a student in your class who's a troubled student and they give you a difficult time as a teacher, if they make your life miserable and are it's so hard for you to function, she has some students in her school like this right now. She was like, it would be easier for me if I let them go, if I cut them out of my school because it would be easier for all the other kids. It would be easier for me. But in the long run, is that the best thing for an educator to do for a student? And I thought that was a very, very valid point because you're not able to just cut out the bad kids because if we keep just cutting out the bad kids or the kids who struggle or the kids who make trouble or the bullies, then those kids will get lost. But if the right person mentors them, 
they might get found. And so I thought that was a very valid point that she brought up. But what I wanted to clarify was when I'm talking about cutting out toxic relationships from our lives, I am mainly talking about your intimate inner circle of friends, the five to eight people that you spend the most of your time with and how those people and those relationships can't be toxic. I'm not talking about kids. Kids are different. They go through stages. They go through, you know, they change. Sometimes it's really hard. Also, we're their parents. And when they're kids, we can't cut them out of our lives. <laughs> not that we would want to, but even on those hard days, you know, we just have to push through. But the five to eight people that are in our inner circle, those people cannot be toxic. They cannot be dragging us down. They cannot be wearing on us. They can't be too much work for us. If they're people that you love, you can still maintain a relationship with them, but you do not have to stay best friends or close friends. We interact with all kinds and all levels of relationships on a daily basis. We have working relationships. We have school relationships. We have friend relationships. We have family relationships. And we have random momentary interactions with other human beings throughout the day. We can be compassionate to those people, and then we can move on. The momentary interactions, if we let our compassion out, kindness, and we think about where these people are coming from, even if it's a brief interaction, we will have more patience and love towards those people, and then we can let it go, and we can move on. Compassion is kindness with love and understanding or pure love, the highest form of love. When we treat others with compassion, we are acknowledging that their point of view may be categorically different than ours, but we also don't know what they've been through. We don't know what the other person's story is, even if it's somebody that we know pretty well. We don't know how they feel every day. We don't know all the things that go through their minds. We don't know how it actually has been for them to experience their life. We're not inside their head. We don't know that. We may also be interacting on our best day or one of our best days with someone who is experiencing their worst day. We tend to act like we feel. So like if we're happy, we will act happy and nice and kind. If we're sad or depressed or angry or upset, we will be rude and short and we will not have patience with other people. But we could be interacting with people who are on, if we're having a bad day, it could be a great day for them. And that's why they're happy and excited. And we could be the one who ends up kind of making their day go south if we are rude and short and uncompassionate with them. Sometimes we don't know how we feel about something until we realize that we are super angry or sad or cranky for some reason and we don't understand why. Then we can go and find the root of the problem. When I'm super short with my kids, when I don't have any patience, there is almost always, like 98% of the time, there is another reason why I'm cranky, angry, upset, frustrated. It's because something isn't going like I thought it would. It's because I'm grieving on that day. It's because 
I miss my family. It's because my husband is out of town and I just have less patience or I'm more on edge when he's not with me. But we have to figure out what the root of our issue is and why we're being uncompassionate towards others because it always has to do with something inside our own minds. There's almost always a reason for the way that people treat others. If they treat others badly, it's because they've been badly treated. Nine times out of 10, they have not been shown compassion and love and kindness, and they have not had it modeled for them in their lives. And that is almost always why people act the way that they do. We've heard about the cycle of abuse, the cycle of anger, the cycle of sadness. You know, when people get abused, they tend to become an abuser because it damages you. The trauma that you go through damages your internal structure, your brain. And same thing with anger. If we're treated with only anger, what are we going to have inside our bodies? If we're treated in a way that makes us feel sad, we can only release sadness back out into the world. Now, there are always exceptions to this. Sometimes those kinds of things push people harder in the opposite direction. But people who are super sensitive or absorb things, um, like I'm an absorber. I absorb what's around me. I absorb people's energy. And um, if there's anger, sadness, and abuse, that is tough. That's how you're going to act. It's the cycle. But if you also think about the flip side, there is also a cycle of love, a cycle of compassion, and a cycle of kindness. If we put love out into the world, love comes back around to us. If we treat our children with love and kindness and compassion, they will treat others with love and kindness and compassion, and that will spread. It will return to you, and it will spread. You don't even know how far it will spread. But it's harder to be compassionate than it is to be angry. It's easy to be angry. It's so easy. Isn't that so frustrating? I just, the negative things are almost always easier than the positive. The the hard things are the things that are good for us. And so we don't do them as much. We do what's easiest and it, it eventually makes our life harder by doing what is easiest, because if you do that all the time, you are never going to learn your lessons. You're never going to learn to be a better human being. We have to be intentional about being compassionate. Kindness and compassion are a practice. A practice means a daily exercise. Every single day, we have to decide that we are going to be kind. We have to decide that we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. There, are, there is always going to be someone somewhere who can take away your faith in humanity. It, you don't have to look very far. Sometimes it's just in one interaction. So I was reading earlier this year, I read a book called The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin, and she talked about how for every one negative thing that happened in a relationship, there needed to be five positive things that happened to equalize it. Does that make sense? For one negative thing, there have to be five 
positive things to equalize that one negative thing. So if your spouse or partner, husband, wife, whatever, does something negative, you're going to remember that and you're going to hold on to that. And they have to do five pretty big positive things to equalize in your brain that one negative thing. Isn't that kind of sucky? Like we have to work so hard to keep the positive because when it comes, we just let it in and then we let it go because because it's what we're, oh, okay. You don't even think about it like, oh, it, that's what we expect. You know, like, oh, well, they treated me nicely. Okay, gonna let it go. But if someone's rude to you, then you're like, oh no, 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 no. That's not okay. And you remember it and you 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 hold it inside you and it I just picture this black smoke in your stomach and it just swirls and swirls and swirls and it's harder to let it go. And you have to have five positive experiences in order to equalize it. It's pretty crazy. I have had to practice extreme patience with my third daughter. She is currently three and she has been the most difficult of my kids so far to parent. I know that the toddler years are tough for a lot of people, but for us, for the first, our first two daughters, they were fairly, they were fairly easy. Like there were the normal difficulties that you have with a toddler, the normal pushback, the normal fighting, but like mine and my husband's methods of disciplining worked. So, you know, we're consistent. We follow through. We do what we say. We don't make um, empty threats or empty promises. And, um, you know, we just we just work hard to be good parents. But our third daughter, <laughs> she is the most strong-willed of any of our kids so far. She is very particular about the way that she wants things done. And she has to see what's in it for her in order to do really almost anything. She either has to be excited about it or she has to see what is in it for her. And if she doesn't see that, then she's just not going to do what you want her to do. I have had to learn because I tend to yell. I'm a yeller. I have a loud voice and I raise it a lot. I um, I guess I used to be a yeller. I didn't have to yell at my younger kids quite as much. And most of the time, like I said earlier, my yelling at them had more to do with what was going on inside my head than with anything that they were doing. It had more to do with the way I was feeling at the time and less to do with their actual behavior or problems. There are always times where they need to be put in their place. They need to be yelled at. But for the most part, that was true. So with my youngest, I have had to learn that when I yell at her, it shuts her down. She stops listening and she completely turns off. She turns away. She starts yelling and has a meltdown. Um, the, The only thing that works for her is if I get quieter she will get quieter. So if she starts having a meltdown and screaming and yelling and kicking and throwing a fit, I let her have her fit for a minute. But then I just get quiet. And I tell her, okay, so this is what I need you to do. Or I give her two choices. Either choice will work for whatever the situation is. For example, shoes. She is obsessed with shoes. More than any other person that I know of, actually, adult included. And so when we leave the house and she's picking her pairs of shoes, it can be quite a process. So I will give her four 
pairs of shoes to choose from. And those are the ones that she has to choose from. And if she either, or my other thing is that I let her choose a different pair if she chooses one other pair and puts it on immediately. But we can't go through the runaround. But I have to get quiet. If I yell at her to put on her shoes, she will end up on the floor with tears and snot running down her face, screaming and yelling, and everyone's mad and everyone's angry and everyone's upset and everyone's late. But if I get quiet, I give her choices, and I tell her what, we're, what is expected of her quietly, she will do it. Now, it did take me a little while to learn this, but I think it's very interesting because when I treat her with respect, calmness, and kindness, even when she starts to freak out, and you know toddlers freak out all the time about the most, in our minds, the most minuscule and mundane things, when she starts to flip, if I go calm, it doesn't always calm her down right away, but at least we, the situation is manageable. And I have had to learn that, and I have incorporated that into the way I deal with other people as well. When people get heated and angry, I take a deep breath and I calm myself on the inside. It's way easier for me to think this person, like whatever their anger and frustration is, it's more about them than than me. I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. I would never go out of my way to make someone else's life inconvenient or hard on purpose. I'm also human and I make mistakes and I'm, I do things all the time that make people upset or angry, whether consciously or unconsciously, because that's just how we function in this world. But when I hold that calmness inside myself, it's way easier for me to, to just release the kindness and compassion when the time comes. All right. Compassion is a choice. We're up to our quotes of the day. So I have a couple different ones today. The first one is from Pema Chodron. I think that's how her name is pronounced. I have heard her name said a couple of times, but I've read it more often than I've said it. So it might be a little bit wrong. Compassion for others begins with kindness to ourselves. When we fill up ourselves, our minds, our hearts, our bodies with calmness and peacefulness and kindness, then we will be able to spread that to other people. The next quote is from the Dalai Lama. If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. That is the answer to all of it. Compassion which is the purest form of love. And now I have a quote from Deborah Adele. Every human being walking this earth has painful stories tucked in the corners of their hearts. If we could remember this truth, perhaps we could see with the eyes of compassion rather than the eyes of our own judgments and preferences. I love that. We can only look at things from our own perspective. But if we fill ourselves with kindness and compassion and love, we will be able to shift and see maybe what other people see. Again, just to recap, there are different types of relationships. The five to eight people that are the closest to you are the most important for you to have healthy, fulfilling, kind relationships with. Those people create 
a part of you that is a huge part of who you are. And so that needs to be taken care of and it needs to not be taken lightly. Some final thoughts for today. Just remember, it's a practice. That means we have to do it daily. Kindness, compassion, pure love. We choose to be compassionate for our own good. When we put good out into the world, we will get good as well. And I'm not starry-eyed, and I don't think that if you're a happy and compassionate and loving person, that your life will just be easy and all cupcakes and rainbows. That is not what I'm saying. But if you approach life that way, if you put goodness out into the world, then you will have goodness that will come back to you. And sometimes it comes right back to us right in the middle of a terrible trial or a significant trauma that we are going through. Those little specks of light come through, but we have to be open to them and we have to have a place for them to go. If you have never filled yourself with kindness and compassion and love, then when it comes to you, you're not going to have a place to keep it. I am so grateful to have you all here. This is something that I am very passionate about. I try so hard to be a compassionate person. I am naturally compassionate and I'm an empathetic person, but it is hard in this day and age when you see the worst of people so easily. We see people, you know, online, on the internet, even just every day, we, we get discouraged about what we see in the news and what we hear. And it's so easy to think the worst of everyone as a whole. And I mean, my husband and I sometimes joke, like when we read or hear a bad news story or a sad news story, we're just like, oh, people are the worst. But I always follow it up with people are also the best because they are. We all have light and dark inside us. We all have kindness and we all have hate. We have to fill the kindness cup fuller than the other one. We have to. And that will spread more out into the world and more compassion. And when you do that, if you are a mentor, if you are a teacher, if you are a leader, if you are a parent, if you are any kind of leader at all, When you do that, even if you have difficult kids, people that you're mentoring or leading or working with, eventually they will see your good example. And if they don't, they'll move on and then you won't have to worry about them anymore. It will not last forever. And I have faith in all of you, whoever is listening to this, I have faith that we can do it. I have faith that we can be kind. I have faith that we can be compassionate people. It's a practice. Don't hold yourself to a super high standard right away. Give yourself time. Give yourself love. And then slowly set small goals to be better, to do better. You will see a difference. You will see a difference in the world around you. And really at the end of the day, the world that you exist in is the world around you. And we create that world for ourselves. And we have to start inside our own minds and hearts. Fill it with calmness, kindness, peace, love, and compassion. That does not make you weak. It makes you strong because it's the harder thing to do. Have a good day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so happy to have you here with me. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to hear more, please subscribe and leave a comment so we can work together in uncovering our full potential. 